0: This is The Antidote with Dave Hawkins. If you know anything about the history of Christian music, you'll know the Jesus People Movement. It was a spin-off of the 1960s Summer of Love. Countercultural Christians were a big part of the hippie movement, living out of cars and campers, playing their music on makeshift stages wherever they could. They were also delivering a message of God's love. Tonight's guests remind me of that kind of dedication of faith in music. One big difference is that Grapefruit's music isn't that older style. They're current, they're indie, and they're committed to sharing Christ's love. I opened the show with just a portion of Spirit Knife from the band's latest release, Half-Life Carbon 14. We had a big talk, so it's time for me to shut up so you can hear that conversation. John and Abby Gold are the two members of Grapefruit. Thanks so much for joining The Antidote.
1: Oh, you're so welcome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With having the band name Grapefruit, people must ask you about it. So I guess that includes me. How did you come up with it?
1: Well, somebody asked me a long time ago what they should name their band, and I told them they should name it Grapefruit. And then he didn't do that. He named his band Secret Stuff, which I liked a lot. Yeah, we grabbed the name because, um, well, I guess what you're really asking is why. The why of it is like, it sounds like grapefruit. It does. And most people, when they hear it, they're going to hear grapefruit. It's like an interesting concept, right? Mm -hmm. That like sometimes what you think you heard isn't exactly what actually happened. And, you know. For me, that's a challenge.
0: (laughs) To make things easier for people, you need to explain how the name is spelled.
1: Yeah, it's spelled G-R-8-F-R-T. number So we get a lot of questions about that too. Is it great fart? Is it great (laughs) effort? (laughs) I guess simplicity wasn't something that I considered. Um, (laughs) But it's definitely come up a lot of times. (laughs) you probably don't want to hear the fart part of it very often i mean if it gives people a laugh yeah all power to them you know
2: (laughs) it's a good icebreaker
1: (laughs) sometimes i get real like sarcastic and i say well out of the excess the heart (laughs) (laughs) like i mean i guess that's just like where your head's at if that's the way you're interpreting it
0: (laughs) really farty (laughs) 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 you know it's not just your band name that's not typical Neither is your music. It's indie rock, it's punk, it's emo. Really, you know, I'd probably call great fruit unique, but does having an unusual style work for you as an artist? Well,
1: yeah, I mean, the vast majority of the events that we play take place, you know, with the nonprofit that we volunteer for, Um, we're staffed for them, Uh, it's called the Extreme Tour. So we have, like, a very diverse audience to begin with. Um, Everybody from skaters to homeless people to folks from local nonprofits like churches or food banks. So I think that it's cool that we have a little something for everybody. I think it works. I also think it's really fun to, you know, experiment and, you know, just be creative.
2: Yeah, I think... For a long time, you know, John was making strictly folk music. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool now that we've formed this band together to get to branch out and make some really unique stuff.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean, I think there was like a punk influence in my music before me and Abby got married. But she really brought out this sarcastic, like, loud. <laughs>
2: Lighten up a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> part of me. <laughs> Is this the true you, or is this just the side that Abby wants to see? So I
1: think it is the true me, for sure. I think um, th- the first thing that marriage like taught me that I thought was super profound, and it was after we had just gotten engaged, um, and we were just getting to know each other, I had this realization that like for some reason, all the parts of me that I always hated, Abigail, paid extra attention to and she would bring them up like in a way where i love this part of you so it actually taught me to love myself better because i could see myself through her eyes so i'd like to say that it is um the best part of me which is like the unfiltered part
0: so i'm really curious about the band itself like why did you start up grapefruit um,
1: so we started because, uh, in 2018, I got a letter from the, um, tour that we volunteer for at the extreme tour mm-hmm. and they asked me if I'd apply to be an artist on the tour that year.
2: Cause they found his folk music on Reverb Nation.
1: A defunct Reverb Nation account. Yeah. Um, I remember getting the letter and thinking, man, this has got to be something divine. Cause <laughs> <laughs> like there was no effort put into it. It's just got to be something stronger than anything we could orchestrate. But um, they asked us to come out, and, you know, I'd been touring for several years and, like, kind of living in the back of my van and then in the front seat of my Jeep Patriot, which is a lot more cramped, you know, just traveling and doing um, events in, like, the punk circuit or, like, house shows or, like, community centers, just wherever I could find a place to play. And I just felt like I didn't want to, basically I'd had a lot of friends that um, were musicians and had like a dream to pursue music and like it had ruined their relationships. So I made a really hardcore decision to like not put musical expression or like art over my wife. Mm -hmm. So I basically decided like to completely drop music um, and like not even care about it anymore, which was liberating. But when we got that letter, I just realized she's not going to want to stay home. So I asked her, "Do you want to perform with me?" And then it just kind of led to, "Let's write our own songs." And then it just kind of led to, "Let's record an album." And like our first uh, EP is the one that we recorded basically right after Abigail had gotten taught to sing. You know, she kind of started like in one place and she's gotten like really Really good over the years.
0: I agree with that. Abby, you are a great singer.
2: Thank you. It's really encouraging. It's hard when you first start out. I hear your taste is way more advanced than your skill. So you always feel like you're not quite where you want to be.
0: Well, isn't everyone always that self-critical?
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So John didn't have to drag you into this kicking and screaming.
2: No, I actually, he's like, I don't want to tour alone. And I was like, you know, please take me. And he said, well, if I take you, you're going to have to sing. And so I said, okay. And then we recorded the album.
0: (laughs) There were a lot of tears there.
2: (laughs) Yeah, lots of tears went into that first album.
0: Why don't we talk about that? Sure. Great Fruits debut, I'm Alive Today Because You Believed in Me. It opens with poor seeds. and it says. If there's some will to fight, he's on the other line. And if this weight's too slight, here, here, take the soldier's plight. But seriously, how many people are willing to be that sacrificial? Um, I think there are a lot more than
1: you might think. I don't really know how anybody else perceives the world, but um, I'm in this really beautiful spot where I get to see amazing people who aren't getting any credit and they're all over the place. They're like burning with this desire to like change their communities or pour life into the people around them. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know. It gives me a lot of um, a lot of joy because I know that there are a
0: lot of good people like just trying to make other people's lives better. And aren't you yourself being sacrificial because you're doing this as a non profit? Yeah, we're um we're full time volunteers for the extreme tour right now. And we've been doing that for three years. It's been a really great experience. And we're talking about a lot of dates that you're doing on the road.
2: Yeah, we do three cities a week for four months.
0: That's wild. So see you're just back into living out of the van. <laughs> Yeah Yeah,
2: you can say that Thankfully we have a place to stay every night Yeah Because of the people we partner with
1: Yeah, the people who have this great desire to like um, do something positive in the people directly around them's lives Yeah, they'll like actually put us up and feed us many times And it's a really, really beautiful thing to be a part of
0: I've got another song I want to talk about from the debut, and that's Stand in the Way of Chekhov's Gun. And it seems to sum up the faith aspect of your band. But what I'm curious about is the Chekhov's Gun part of the title. It means that every element in a story must be necessary. Is that really true of all the lyrics of Great Fruit?
1: Um... I can tell you what what that means, like why I named it Chekhov's Gun. Mm-hmm. So, Abby and I, like, we grew up in a different religion than Christianity, mm-hmm. something that would be similar to, like, Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormon. So, basically, like, throughout my early lifetime, I didn't have a close relationship with God. You know, in my early teens, it was kind of like a thing where I was like, I don't hear any voice. I don't feel any force. But I never completely walked away from the faith that there was something there. And it, it's like there was this entity, which I've come to call Jesus, um, which followed me through all these different things and was always acting with this compassion, saving me out of the fire and saving me out of the torment, like over and over again. And like this force walked with me through personal you know, mental decline into insanity through substance abuse, through alcoholism, bad relationships. I think I've been kind of following God for about 10, 11 years now, like really trying to pursue him. And what I've seen is that all of these things that I thought were insignificant and all these things that I thought were like minor plot points have ended up being major plot points, have ended up being so substantive And I think that like a lot of people are in this thing where they're like, what does all of it mean? How can I form some sort of order out of the chaos of all these random, painful things that have happened to me and all these like terrible, confusing spells, you know, Mm -hmm. like, how can I order this? How can I find like some theme in it? And like what I was trying to like point out is that looking back, I'm now able to see, oh my gosh, I didn't fail. Like, I thought it was a failure for so long. I thought it was, like, worthless for so long. Every time things got serious, I ended up botching it. Oh, yeah. But I could see back now, and I see a theme that's collected out of, like, the dust of the remnants of all the things I tried to build. And this theme is I found myself in the midst of people that had a need, and I was able to speak something that was good to them at that time. You know, and there were these moments that were like really definitive where it's like, this is who I really am. This is the moment that matters more than other moments. And you start to realize that without having any idea how it happened, your narration of your life got taken from you and rewritten by like a divine hand. Mm -hmm. And like the story that he's telling about your life is a story of love and your journey towards a purpose so that's the reason why I said it is like you know Chekhov's gun is kind of like if in the first scene of the book you see a guy and there's like a gun on the table then like you have to use that later that's right and the idea is that there's something spiritual there that um, has happened for many people and can happen for anyone I'm trying to say I invite you to experience that I am
0: Since we were talking about Chekhov's gun and not having lyrics that don't serve a purpose, but I guess sometimes they really do need an explanation, we have the song Diversified Investments in Eternity, or Die, and the verse Braille Bibles written in a dead language, crying from the stucco on the ceiling. <laughs> okay. okay, seriously, I have no idea where you're going with that. You've got to help me out.
1: Yeah. Um, so Braille is for people that are blind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in case you didn't know that. No, <laughs> Which you I'm pretty ever, tuned yeah, into that. that. <laughs> yeah. So Braille Bible is written in a dead language and then crying from the stucco on the ceiling. All right, let's, let's start from the end and work back to the beginning. Crying from the stucco in the, in the ceiling. That's like a reference to, um, a great writer. And, uh, you might've read some of his works. He said, uh, If I stay quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. But it's also like a testament to like the idea that anything can be used as like the voice of the creator, you know, like even a donkey. But also that being said, you've got this book and it's translated from these texts and there's so much dispute about what does it really say or is it literal or is it figurative or does it have many writers or does is it written by the person that it says it's written by or should we take it as a narrative or should we take it as a factual account that's kind of more law-based like how do we take this there's so much dispute it's almost like it's written in latin you know what i mean (laughs) but even in that When you're reading it, it cries out to you and it teaches you how to understand it because it's the word. Like I would say that it's the force that created the universe encapsulated in the word, which is like a codex, you know, not to derail. But I guess the idea is that even though it's this complex, diversely understood thing... And, like, some of the diversity has to do not just with, like, all of that high-minded theological stuff, but cultural diversity. So, there's, like, these diversely understand things. And, like, as a newcomer coming into this, or even as somebody who, you know, is switching religions, you got to wonder, like, how is it possible to extract any truth from it when it's so convoluted? But if I'm quiet, the rocks are going to cry out. And that's why it's so beautiful, because even in the midst of this diversely understood thing, there's this like spiritual activity that happens when we submit ourselves to it, and it starts to speak to us and describe how to conceive of all life in a way that doesn't hurt other people and doesn't hurt you, and gives glory to that which is like conceived of it in the first place. You know, I guess it's just as somebody going from one kind of way of understanding the bible and christ and god and then like becoming subjected to like a different level of understanding and like you know having this tender growth process happening hi this is john and this is abby from the band grapefruit and you're tuned into the antidote
0: Last year, Grapefruit released Half-Life Carbon-14, and it's very different from your debut. It's much fuller or richer sounding.
2: Uh, Yeah, it is totally different. I think a lot of bands' second albums are different than their first albums. I think it shows uh, growth for sure.
0: But sometimes bands have a sophomore release, and it's a failure
2: maybe it
0: wouldn't be the worst thing ever
1: you just make another one and try harder i guess i don't know you know failure is not that big of a deal there
2: are people who like our first album more than our second album i will say that
1: the second one was really hard to do you know we had a lot less free time and you know we had a different vision for it
2: yeah i think we wanted it to be more fun
1: yeah, and Abby got like a lot more creative liberty with the second release. You know, like she kind of was starting out as a musician, so she was a little timid during the first one. So, you know, kind of the production style and the way that we approached the songs, like, was really rooted in like, funny enough, folk music, because that's what I was so familiar with when we started. Uh, but like now that she has like a lot more creative liberty. You know, she did a lot of really cool stuff with, like, harmonies and being kind of, like, really aggressive with certain parts. You know, you talked about how much you love editing. I loved (laughs) editing (laughs) her vocal parts, yeah.
0: And we're going to get back to you, Abby, to talk a little bit later on and about the song that you're featured on. Oh, sure. You know, earlier on, I guess I asked about the band name, so now I have to ask about the name of the EP. So Mm -hmm. why give it the title... Half life carbon 14?
1: Um, So, like, half life carbon 14 is a reference to carbon dating. Like, the process. Well, that's what they
0: use on old people like me carbon dating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And, you know, some people think it's like a science, some people think it's a pseudoscience. I don't venture a guess. But, like, I wanted to call it that but it's a really sarcastic title. And the reason it's sarcastic is like, I'm a person, I came out of one religious movement drawn by Jesus and to Christianity. And uh, there are so many questions and so many things I have to relearn. And one of the first ones is, you know, I had a lot of conversations with people about Where do you stand on this theological idea of, like, is it like a seven-day creation? Is it a seven-age creation? You know, what are your ideas? And one thing, like, when I'm asking questions of people who have faith that is difficult sometimes is people who I think sometimes feel a little uncertain themselves, they get really mad when you ask them certain things. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I don't think I'm a source of wisdom. I want to be in right standing with God more than anything. And like, I'm starting to learn after all this time that the simplicity of this is like so beautiful. And it feels like I'm getting returned to like childhood again. And I love it. Um, but like, when I was writing that, I was a little upset. People were like, there's no way to think of this other than this way. And there's no way to think of this other than this way. Um, And the reason why it hurt me was because I had a friend who I loved a lot and his main critique of Christianity was the idea of the earth being, um, I'm not really sure how old like a lot of Christians think it is. I haven't done enough study.
0: Um, Well, the Jewish calendar says it's what, 6,000 years old.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like, believe it or not, I'm closer to believing that now than I've ever been, (laughs) you know, like, because it's a process. And I think that sometimes people, because of fear, I think, and I think it's fear that like God's going to cast somebody out when they're in the middle of trying to figure something out, which to me indicates that they don't know God in as intimate a way as they could, maybe. I don't know. Just to kind of wrap it up. The reason why I called it Half-Life Carbon 14, we just think that, like, we really, really want people to be able to, like, enter into this family and, like, not have to figure everything out right away. You know, for us, if we hadn't had people take chances on us, like, the first church we walked into, they were like, hey, do you want to, like, do children's church? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah. That's been so crucial to me, is them not judging me for my lack of understanding, like right at the beginning. And I think a lot of times people argue about a lot of parts of the story, and they bring these arguments to people. They don't need that kind of conflict in their head. What they really need is belonging, and they need purpose, and they need to know that like they're not going to be abandoned, and they're not going to be oppressed and judged because that's you know like all they're used to in the first place like you know coming from like a worldly standpoint you know and if we make the door so small that nobody can get in you know by making them check all these boxes like as they're walking through it almost like deters people Mm -hmm. from like experiencing the force that can actually get them to change their minds about certain things I think my perception of that whole creation model has changed a lot. (laughs) My critique is just, please don't make people run away by arguing about stuff that's really complex when they don't have the ability to even understand.
0: The new EP, Half-Life Carbon 14, starts off with, My God, My Girl. And some of the lyrics say, Second hand, not second rate. You should just have kept your taste. I recovered, fall from grace. Please remind me how I never change. But the funny part is that's left me thinking about New Year's resolutions, where people love to begin the year with good intentions, but then they don't follow through. What do you think it takes to legitimately change? Oh man. Change
1: is so important to me because I know that, like, everyone has a destination. I don't know if everybody experiences this, but I'll make friends with people or meet people in public, you know, while we're out, you know, doing missions work. Sometimes I just look at people and I see this really amazing thing down the line for them. So, like, I think that everybody is, like, on the way towards that. And I think that that is both the same for everybody, but different for everybody. I think that, like, change is a really, really important element of that. Because I think that it's really hard for people to change. Yeah, I don't know exactly what to say about that. And what do you think, Abby?
2: I think how I would say it is I have to look at it from my own personal experience which the only way I've really changed for the better is growing in my relationship with God. You know I'm 25 now and I was 21 maybe 22 when we recorded our first EP and I think just getting older causes you to change too.
1: I think you hit the nail on the head there like that that's that actually popped into my head too I think that is the right answer. Like, I think we're utterly useless to guide the building of, like, something that's eternal. Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, human beings, we build houses and bridges and websites. But, like, all those things that are built kind of, like, in our image, they all cease to have the longevity that, like, a mountain does.
2: I mean, I think I'm not really the one that's changing me. Like, the closer closer I grow to God, he's the one that changes me. I'm not the one that's doing the work.
1: I think one of the really alluring things about surrender to the force, which we call Jesus, like the really alluring thing is the idea that like, there's a way not just to take part in eternity now, which is mind boggling to think about, to take part in building something, which is going to have more longevity than the mountains. Like, people get all tied up in knots about Aristotle and Plato and the Beatles, but, like, that's not that much time. Like, we're contributing to eternity spiritually as people now, you know, like, by walking in relationship with Jesus.
0: But, of course, what you're also doing is that you're also changing people with what you're doing.
1: Oh, that's a good point. I sure hope so. For <laughs> that the better. That would be great. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't change people, though. That's the problem. You know, like, the only way to change somebody is what the Bible calls walking in the Spirit. What exactly. Call surrender to God. Because, like, he is able to do something that we couldn't conceive of that's so much more complex. Um, you know, John Steinbeck, the pearl, right? He talks about the mm-hmm. pearl that's, like, you know, magnificent next to, like, the inferior pearls. I always felt like the inferior pearl next to somebody, and what I realized when I first started reading scripture and getting to know God was that it was possible to stand up there and to do something or say something which didn't cause people to feel they were inferior in your presence, but caused them to like connect with something that could show them their true worth and value.
0: just heard My God, My Girl, another of the songs found on Half-Life Carbon 14. I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I had a big talk with Abby and John. And unfortunately, I've only had time to air a few tasty morsels. (laughs) To hear the rest, head to the interview section of the Next week, the antidote gets into the music of Nate Parrish, He's well-known as the guitarist of Cutlass, but what he does on his own is straight-up punk. And I'm talking opinionated punk music. You'll see what I mean when you tune in next week. The funny thing about the music of Grapefruit is John's opinion of their music. You're going to hear about that in their song Daisies Like Lullaby. See you next time. You know, something else that's interesting, John, is something that you said about Half-Life Carbon-14, because you described it as sucky Jesus fan fiction. (laughs) So, you have to explain that.
1: Uh, (laughs) Oh,
0: man. Like, I think it's a statement that's, like, self-explanatory, isn't it? True, but it also makes it sound as if you don't value what you're creating.
1: Well, you know, like, how can, like, the clay say to the person who's forming the clay, why'd you make me like this? For some reason, I'm thinking of David Bazan, where he's like, in one of his songs where he says, like, because Jesus only lets me do the things that have been done before, which is like a really sardonic statement. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do you really want to spread that sentiment, like, to all these people? But he did. But that is Dave Bazan too. I can't judge him, bro. <laughs> I can't. Because uh, I like his music. And, you know, I hope he's doing okay. I really do. Maybe he's giving voice to something that a lot of people feel, which is good art. Like, that's the idea is like, I can't do anything except for what, you know, God's made me to do if I want to be in relationship with him. So, I think, like, there's there's a really beautiful thing to, like, trying as hard as you can, you know, really shooting for excellence Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like if I was to like force myself, because it's possible to force yourself to a level of excellence and creativity to where people will be blown away by your talent. And then maybe what's next is they start to look at you and they think, wow, that's such an amazing person. Wow, I want to be like that person. You know, like they're so cool. But I don't know. I don't want to be like that. You know, when I wrote that, it was at the end of like about five years of really serious depression. And, um, you know, like I just felt like nobody wants to hear this. Nobody cares. Like the same ideas I'm talking to you about right now, I was bitter about. Where right now it gives me hope that there's a future for me. It's the best future. It's like a joyous thing to me to be who I am and where I am, you know?
0: This is something that I so appreciate about Grapefruit compared to most Christian artists because your songs don't paint a picture of a pristine Christian faith. You guys are making it real and raw.
1: Yeah. I think that, like, there are a lot of Christian people that are scared to tell their family and friends that they're contemplating suicide. And I think there's a lot of Christian people that are scared to, you know, talk to, like, maybe their husband or maybe their wife, about the fact that they've got a problem with abusing drugs or alcohol. What if people who dealt with that sort of stuff could find redemption and, like, salvation, even from those things that they're dealing with, like, when they come to other Christian people? Because meeting a Christian person is meeting someone who's like a satellite operator of God you know, like
0: a ambassador. (laughs) (laughs) I like that term. Brand rep. (laughs) Now, Abby, I'm going to put you on center stage because you also made a big change on Half-Life Carbon 14 by taking over vocals on Daisy's Like Lullaby. How different is it being front and center?
2: Uh, Gosh, I love collaborating with John. He's really like brought me out of my shell in a lot of ways. But I think I've always wanted to write my own music or, you know, be a solo artist. So it's something I've always desired. And that's actually the first song I ever wrote Um, when John was out of town on a trip. He even said, why don't you write a song while I'm gone? And so I did. And it was that song. Then he's like, well, why don't we just put it on the album? I don't think it's good enough.
0: (laughs) But what does John know? Because he think the EP is, is Sucky Jesus fan fiction.
1: <laughs> I yeah, mean, it's yeah. Sucky next to like the original piece, right? Because fan fiction is like, you know, emulating. It's true. Yeah. You know, <laughs> what, I'm, what, it's, it's, you know what book I'm talking about? <laughs> it's
2: second rate next to that, yeah. obviously. But yeah, it was so fun to record. I actually got my friend Kim to do backup vocals Um, And some harmonies in that song. Yeah, it was super fun. And it's also cool because John got to do some really cool lead guitar on that song, which was really unique and fun.
0: Something else about Daisy's Like Lullaby. It says, God knows everything. He knows your hopes and dreams. Here's the big question. So with you two, is it up to God to fulfill your dreams or do you do it yourself?
1: Oh man, like somebody I admire one time and described it to me like this. You got this guy who walks up to you and says, here's the key to this mansion, which is on the top of this hill. And then you start climbing the hill, but there's one caveat. You gotta get there by the time the sun sets and put the key in the lock and open the door. So you run and you climb and you sweat and you skin your knees and your hands and you're heaving because the air is getting less concentrated. (laughs) And you're just kind of like trying as hard as you can. And then finally, you're in the last 10 minutes of like dusk and you get over the top and you see that it's only a quarter mile from you. So you sprint as fast as you can. And your heart beats and like your blood pressure is spiking. You feel like you're going to pass out, but you finally get to the top and you stick the key in the lock and you turn to the right and you open the door and you find out that it's a cardboard cutout. It's like a movie backlot, a <laughs> sod of a house. So I think that even though I'm not perfect at practicing this, because nobody is like we want our dreams to be like firmly rooted in the ambiguity of subjecting all of them to god
2: yeah i was gonna say i think it's a collaborative effort
1: hey that's good (laughs) that's a lot easier to understand
0: it's been great to have great fruit on the antidote thanks so much for coming for this talk absolutely thanks for having us thank you